welcome to Kidlit Classics, a podcast where children's authors, booksellers and publishing professionals share the children's books that they love the most and that inspired them to follow their own path into the kidlit industry. I'm your host, Sam Ellen Bound, and today I'm chatting with Bethany Loveridge. Bethany is an arts education professional who has worked for a variety of schools, museums and arts associations, including the Queensland Art Teachers Association. She is passionate about cultivating vibrant and meaningful learning experiences in the arts, but also loves storytelling. Recently, she was an awarded an ASA Copyright Agency Award Mentorship and is working on her debut middle grade trilogy. She is the face behind Bookstagram account, Betty's Book Club, now under the handle Bethany Loveridge Author. Bethany, welcome to Kidlit Classics. Thank you. And that's just a lovely introduction. Appreciate that. I feel Thanks. I feel chuffed. <laughs> I was creeping on you online. <laughs> you were. <laughs> Must have been. <laughs> well, it's good. You got you got it all right. You even got my updated Instagram handle. So no correction. A plus for me. So <laughs> chances are if you're in primary school in the 90s, you will definitely know the book Rowan of Rin by Emily Rodder. It's a children's fantasy novel, the first in a series of five, and it won the CBCA Book of the Year for younger readers in 1994. So, Bethany, I first read Rowan of Rin in year four. It was our class read aloud text, and it is a book that has stayed with me ever since. I actually think it was probably my first taste of that sort of high fantasy story. So I love that you have chosen Rowan of Rin as your kidlit classic book. So first things first, can you please share with us Rowan of Rin's opening line? One morning, the people of Rin woke to find that the stream that flowed down the mountain and through their village had slowed to a trickle. That's it. That is from chapter one that's called The Meeting. But it does very well set up what um, happens next because as we find out, uh, both Rowan of Rin and a selection of villagers have to go and investigate why the uh, stream has flowed to a trickle. So actually, it's a really good kicker into what's to come. Yeah, that's right. So this um, story, as you said, Rowan of Rin is actually the name of the whole series together. But the first story is called Rowan of Rin. Uh, and the author is the absolutely legendary Emily Rodder, although that's just a pseudonym, but that's for another podcast. So in this story, Rowan, whose nickname is Skinny Rabbit, lives in a village called Rin with a whole lot of people who are basically gladiators. They learn to climb, swim, hunt, fight, all of the things as soon as they can walk. Uh, and poor Rowan isn't as strong or fast as the others, so he's lumped with the job of shepherd. He looks after these beautiful and gentle cattle called Buksha, and I picture them as like a hairy coo or a highland cow. Yeah. Uh, and his favourite of the Bookshas is called Star. You do too? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I do. Yeah. So as we established in that first line, poor Star and the other Buksha, their water supply is drying up um, and they're a food source for the village as well. They, they're cheese makers. They make really delicious sounding cheese. So the answer to the dried up water is up this mountain. So I think you said Rin gets their strongest and bravest adults together to quest up the mountain and solve the problem, which probably has something to do with the dragon. But a stick in the mud is that after a visit to the town's wise woman, there's a map that gets enchanted and all the lines and features on the map 
can only be, be seen when Rowan is holding the map. So Skinny Rabbit now has to join the quest. So they journey up the mountain. These riddles appear on the map seven times. So there's seven of them. There's seven riddles and the heroes are tested. How many of the seven will make it to the top and who has to face the dragon? I'm not telling you. So the most that's deserving. <laughs> that's it. The bravest. The bravest. That's a great mm. summary. And I love that you mentioned the riddles. The riddles are one of my favorite. I reckon I could still probably memorize um, a few. The riddles, I just loved them. I loved them when I first read this book. And they really add to the story. So they, um, yeah, they're a huge part of the story. So love the riddles. As a, as a kid, they were hard. Um, but I've read it recently and just thought, oh, it's just so obvious. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's that because you know people. what? You know, you're like, you've read it. So you. Well, that's a very good point. I yeah. do know all the answers. <laughs> so, what is it about Ron of Rin that you love so much? Why have you chosen it as your kid lit classic? This is a very short podcast, as I understand. So, I'm actually just going to give you an incomplete list of the reasons that I love Ron of Rin. Um, the first thing is that there's a prophecy the second is there's an unlikely hero or a chosen one um, and it's always a bonus if said chosen one is an introverted character because I can relate to that um, there's action and adventure with really relatable challenges and fears like um, you know of tight spaces or of swimming or of darkness or of spiders and I've just given lots of um, spoilers there there's mysteries and the riddles that you've talked about the bookshare, look, I'm an animal lover and um, much of Rowan's motivation, pretty much all of it, to find the problem with the water source is because of his love for Star um, and his his duty and the way that they look after each other. And I think that's great character motivation. And uh, my last point here is a dragon. So those are my reasons for loving Rowan of Rin. <laughs> Incomplete. You can expand a bit more if you want. It's really no problem. <laughs> well the dragon you see most of the villagers believe that there is a dragon because they can hear it roaring um, and the book shall look to the mountain to the top of the mountain and it's stopped roaring I don't know if that's the right word for onomatopoeia for a dragon sound now but it stopped making its loud angry noises for the last couple of days so they feel like there's a connection between the dragon and the lack of water and they may be right which is yeah. why the, the ultimate the ultimate challenge and the last riddle is about a dragon. Yes. And it was a great dragon too. It was actually very scary the way that they come across it. Oh, that's a, look, we're going to say spoilers. So, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I love that you mentioned that Rowan is sort of, you know, an unassuming hero. So, all, you know, all the strongest and bravest villagers are selected to go on this quest and then uh, Rowan is almost ridiculed because you know, a lot of people see him as a bit useless and with his head in the clouds, just, you know, looking after the bookshare. But I love that these villagers who are considered the strongest or the most worthy to undertake such a quest sort of have to begrudgingly accept that Rowan has to come with them. Uh, but for various reasons, because of their own fears and their own insecurities, uh, most of them don't make it to the end but Rowan you know he just keeps on hustling 
and through his love for the bookshire and wanting to help them he is the one who makes it through to the end you know this character that no one uh really thought would or they thought he would be the first to go and when i was young that was really revelationary to me not that i probably knew what a revelation was you know but i thought it was just fantastic that it was this character who proved to be the hero and I think that was a really wonderful and special thing. Being a hero isn't often about being the strongest or the toughest. It Mm. is about kindness and it is um, about compassion uh, and it is about bravery and it is about a quieter strength and I really, really love that message. I love that as a kid and I think it's really special now and I love that Rowan basically saves the day Mm. because of his compassion even for the dragon so it's it's funny because I think as a kid you read a book and if you can relate to the character then it becomes all the more special and I love magic like if I said to you before when you weren't recording if there's no magic I'm a bit "Mm, really will I read this um but he's not magical like he's not um anything special that that I couldn't have been or I couldn't have done, you know. And so I think that makes it really impactful. It's not like you have a dream that eventually one day you're going to find out that you have secret magic, you know. And I think that's that's really special. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. So at what age did you read Rowan of Rin and what impact did it have on you and your writing as well now? Yeah, well, 1993, I turned eight. Um, So this book is my vintage. It was written for me. Um, A lot of people I've spoken to about Emily Rodder love Del Toro Quest. That came out in 2000 and I was already reading Robin Hobb by then. It's just so (laughs) this is really um, for me. And I don't think, look, I was a kid, so I might be wrong. I read what I had access to, but I don't, I don't feel like there were a lot of, you know, that middle grade um, eight to 12 or that books like that, that existed by, especially by Australian authors. And it's this age where young people stop reading. Um, I'm have to try not to get on my teacher chair, Mm -hmm. but yeah, junior fiction, you know, it can be boring or childish and then young adult fiction which I would not have been allowed to read anyway, uh, can be graphic or have adult themes. So I felt like this was a book that was actually written for me. Um, there's suspense. There was a problem or a series of problems or riddles that I could try to work out as I was reading. And there was a complex enough storyline to be invested in as well. Yeah. And then after I discovered and loved Ron of Rin, I became obsessed with Emily Rodder's Teen Power, Inc., series which is now called the Raven Hill Mysteries oh, I um, know that okay right get out of town <laughs> with Team Power Inc that was cool <laughs> oh yeah so cool um and like those books stopped me from going through a reading drought at a re- that really developmental time when kids do stop reading um although Australia has fantastic middle grade um as you know uh at the moment so uh, in terms of how it impacted my my writing um, I guess I still feel like that age group is a wonderful age to write for. Um, and and I have taken some of those themes of like the agency of young people and empowering young young people that, you know, that they can do great things. And actually, as you said before, if they're just kind, then that is doing a great thing too. Yeah. But yeah, I do have adventure and magic 
in my in my storytelling too. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, also when I read it, it was in the early 90s, so my memory is pretty good, but I don't remember every single thing I was reading. But I do, I do tend to remember it was a lot of realistic stuff, like the Babysitters Club or Sweet Valley High or um, even, you know, Nancy Drew, which was a mystery, mm-hmm. but it was still realistic. And it was probably along with Goosebumps, probably, although that's a very different genre or category in itself. But Rowan of Rin was, I think, my first taste of of fantasy. I don't really remember mm-hmm. reading, you know, much fantasy before that. And it definitely then made me want to read more. So as mm-hmm. like you, I, you know, I love fantasy. I will read contemporary, but I, if something has a bit of magic or a bit of fantasy in it, you know, I'm there. And I do mm. think this, you know, Rowan of Rin probably kick-started that for me. Yeah, well, it's funny because you just named like about four different series that I've never read a single book of. Um, <laughs> so, yes, so it's another reason why I felt like it was written for me because I I just loved fantasy and then continued to love it. As I said, Robin Hobb, um, you know, became my favourite after that when I was in high school. So Yeah, it's a great introduction to more fantasy, I think, definitely, and even still now not just mm. in the 90s. Um, so in Rowan of Rin, is there a particular character or scene that made a lasting impression on you? Yeah, la- in terms of lasting impression, like Rowan, the main character, and Star, the bookshop, yeah. their relationship, I guess, and just the way that they trusted each other and the way the, the Star's big eyes are described um, and their love for each other uh, has really... That was, you know, the thing that I've just remembered and hung on to. But I just reread it recently and I connected with some of the adult characters and their experiences in the mountain, which is obvious because now I'm closer to them in age. Um, but there's a character called Alan who's one of the uh, villagers who's an outcast, really, because his mother's from Rin and his father's a traveller. I don't know if you remember that character. I do. So Rin is a- far, I think. <laughs> he does yeah and he's the one who has the most um empathy and understanding and is the most caring for Rowan and Rowan has a sense that he understands how he feels like that kind of um you know being looked down upon because you're not from there and you know you're not as strong or well you don't look as strong but really I think the message is that Alan turns out it turns out that he is all of those things just yeah. in a different way so there's these great themes of like prejudice and acceptance that I didn't pick up when I was young, which is an author's goal. <laughs> so that's great. Um, but yeah, reading it as an adult, I'm like, wow, look at all these, look at all these wonderful moral messages. Yeah, but always done so subtly, you know, never hitting mm. you over the head with it. In the same way, that's why I really love, I think, is it Strong John? I remember his name was John. I think yep. he called Strong John. Yeah, the strongest in the village, and but he's actually a really gentle character as well, like a gentle giant. So it was even playing with that kind of stereotype as well. Um, and he also ends up having quite a really beautiful relationship. Uh, Strong John also gets quite far in the quest, um, and he actually has a really very lovely relationship with Rowan as well. In fact... I might edit this out if it's too spoilery, but I think he does end up with Rowan's mum in in future books. Well, now that I'm I thinking think about it. it, it's definitely implied. 
Look, um, John looks a certain way at Jilla, who's the mother, as they head off on their quest. Yeah. And that sets Rowan like off on this all the way up. You know, he's holding against John like, oh, he's only being kind to me because of because yes. of my mum kind of right. thing. And he comes to realise that, that that's not true and yeah. that John really does care for him. So Rowan, and this is definitely too spoilery, although it happens at the start. So Rowan's father rescues him out of a burning house when he's um like a toddler or a young child and he throws Rowan out of a window and then he perishes doesn't make it out and so Rowan feels like the whole village hates him for that reason and has blamed him for the loss of like one of their strongest bravest people um you know and so that's an internal thing that he's struggling with all the way up the mountain yeah which he overcomes and now we're just now we'll just tell you exactly point by point everything that happens in the book. <laughs> no, I feel like a lot of people will have read it, so I I may think we're yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like it's important to say because I know you keep talking about people not making it, but um, everyone makes it. Yeah. When uh, in the final scene, it's you know, Rowan's pretty much on his own. They don't make it all the way up the mountain, but yeah. they make it back to Rin alive. They do. Because, and I say that because I think hope, um, you know, is what puts this book in that middle grade. It's all okay. There's nothing and it's also that's too fine scary. as well. Like no one mm-hmm. shakes their finger at them for being like, oh, you didn't make it all the way up. Everyone's, as, as I said before, everyone is very kind that mm. people have their own things that they go through and it doesn't make them lesser. It doesn't make them less strong in any form of what strong could be. Um, they're just humans with flaws. And I think that is woven all throughout the story in a really gentle way. And I also have to say my favourite scene was always the one with the spiders. And I'm <laughs> not a big fan of spiders, but I just remember the, the horror of um, of what they have to do in the spider scene. Great scene. Well, that's actually that stuck with me, that scene. And that's one of them that I can vividly like picture as I read as I read that chapter. So I think it's so well written that I can see it. Yeah, um, and I remember the the riddle was like, let arms be still and voices low, a million eyes watch as you go. I can remember. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Great scene. Uh, okay, so what contribution do you think that Rowan of Ring, we've talked about it a little more in that it was, you know, probably a, a great introduction to fantasy for a lot of children. Uh, what contribution do you think it has made to children's literature, either in Australia or worldwide? Uh, well, Emily Rodder, her first book was like before I was born, I think in the early 80s. And since then, she's kept writing. Eliza Vander's Button Box, published this year, again, CBCA Notable Book. So it's not just Rowan of Rin, it's like this, this author um, or the pseudonym <laughs> has been with me for my life, my whole yeah. life. Um, and I think that we would agree that Emily Rodder is a legend of children's literature. Sure. Um, and just, I can't believe, like, how can you just write for so long and keep writing so well? And I mean, she's just obviously even getting better. <laughs> anyway, I don't know that that answers the question, but I think this book was just one of the many books that she that she wrote that are amazing, but probably more of the things that I'm talking about are personal. Yeah. Mm. So 
as you said, Emily Rodda is still very much writing beautifully and very well-received books. Um, and in terms of her older books, I, from working in bookstores, you know, we were still selling heaps of Del Toro Quest. Um, not so much Rowan of Rin, though. Do you mm. still hear Rowan of Rin being talked about today? Um, not really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, it's funny you talk about Del Toro Quest and, Everybody, I say, oh, Ron of Rin, and they kind of go, oh, and I say, Emily Rodder, and then they all say, yeah. oh, Del Toro Quest, I love it. Um, I didn't even pick that Del Toro Quest up until I was an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I bought this 21st anniversary edition that no one can see. Um, I've like got that last one year. Too. I've got yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> so I feel, um, yeah, look, I talk about Ron of Rin whenever I can, and I think it's, I think it's fabulous. But I also know there is so much wonderful newer Australian middle grade yeah. fiction and, um, yeah, look, we're never going to run out of things to read. But, no, I don't hear it talked about enough. <laughs> but it is still available if people mm. do want to buy it and, of course, we both heartily recommend that. Um, and you can buy all five in one yes. hardcover edition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... We want everyone to read Rowan of Wren. So what current books would you compare it to as a way to entice new readers in? So I, first of all, and if you have loved any other of Emily Rodder's books, you should read, you should go and read Rowan of Wren um, as well. If you um, like the riddles and mystery in Amelia Malore's grandest bookshop in the world, you probably like Rowan of Wren if you like a riddle. Um, if you like the action and adventure and a whole cast of characters, like in the world between blinks duology by Amy Kaufman and Ryan Groudon, you probably like Rowan of Rin. That's a good um, one. I, yeah. Oh, it's just so good. Um, and also fans of the impossible quest books by Kate Forsyth. Like if you're, if you're into fantasy and the, and those kind of quests, then you could try them too. So yes, those are all Australian authors because they're the best. Um, what we love. I love that you chose all Australian points of Yeah, I I think that, that was a few that I came up with and there's probably there's probably lots more, but yeah, if, if you, you want to have a good adventure quest, mm. riddles, this is your book. It's a real quest book. Yeah. It also reminds me of those computer games that that I used to play yeah. <laughs> as a young person where you had to um yeah, the quest, like Monkey Island, all the quest games. Yeah, no, you're right. It really, it does mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Okay, so we would love to hear you read a extract from the book. Um, I've had to edit because I thought, oh, yeah, I'll read like these three pages. Um, then you'll really get the picture. But so <laughs> I'm going to read you something from chapter two. So right at the beginning of the book. So that way there's no more spoilers than you've already had. <laughs> And just for some context, um, Strong John and Marley, one of the other uh, heroes that's going on the quest, have gone to see Sheba, who's a wise woman, for some advice about the quest. And they've asked Rowan to go and get some of the bookshed's best cheese and bring it over as some kind of bribery um, so she'll help them out. So that's where they are. They're in Sheba's house. She lay back in her chair and half closed her eyes. Her hand stroked the cheeses in her lap as though they were cats. The fire glowed. She began to drone and mumble to herself. For a long time, they could make no sense of her words. 
and then at last she spoke clearly. Seven hearts the journey make, seven ways the heart will break. Bravest heart will carry on when sleep is death and hope is gone. Look in the fiery jaws of fear and see the answer white and clear. Then throw away all thoughts of home, for only then your quest is done. Sheba's eyelids fluttered and her eyes opened. For a moment, she stared blankly at John, Marley and Rowan, as though wondering why they were there. Then her expression sharpened and she waved her hand at them impatiently. She no longer looked like a witch, just a tired, crabby old woman. Go now, she said. I can tell you no more. I love that That's you it. put the riddle in it get. too. Of course. I had to. <laughs> Could you have um, memorised it off by heart? No. No. Okay. Couldn't, I couldn't have. My memory, as I've already um, demonstrated several times, is pretty tragic. <laughs> well, it was great. Um, I probably remember what it looked like on the page. Mm. Yeah, and it has, I think there's maps in this book too. There are maps. There's a, well, there's a map in this edition. There's two maps in this edition. Ah, my edition there's... doesn't have maps, so they've drawn maps for the mm. anniversary edition. There we go, listeners. If you love a map, Rowan of Rin. There you go. Oh, it's great. Yeah, for sure. Map lovers. It's even on a scroll. You can't get better than that. Thank you, Bethany. Before we go, give us a quick rundown of what you're working on now, your latest book project, and where we can find you online. I would love to do that. This year has been amazing. So I just finished the um, ASA Copyright Agency Award Mentorship that you talked about before with um, the amazing Christina Schultz. And so my middle grade trilogy is on submission. So it's is spec fic or speculative fiction so it's set in contemporary Queensland or a little bit of a fictional Queensland um, but there is Australian historical fiction there's mystery and lots of action and adventure so I can't wait to find it at home and then eventually share it with everyone in the community. Um, I talk about my writing and also lots of other people's books on Instagram at Bethany Loveridge Author. And um, I just recently have updated my website. It's still quite tragic, but that's bethanyloveridge.com. So I would love to connect with with more people and talk about books until the book should come home. <laughs> I just made that up then. I thought you'd appreciate it. I do. I always appreciate an animal reference as long as it's a lovely mm. one. Because they're like cows. They are like the uh, cow, but a little bit of sort of a buffalo vibe as well. I always thought like a like a nice hybrid. <laughs> well, they're drawn in the map. They're drawn ah. a bit like a bit like a buffalo, but okay. I don't I don't care because I have this thing for hairy coos, <laughs> like the Highland cows, especially so the babies. Cute. They're just oh, they're so, so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I want one to come and live here on my eight hundred square meter block. <laughs> With Rowan. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And the cheese. That'll be great too. Yes. <laughs> I had to read something, that, a part that had cheese in it too. Yeah, you know. hit all the marks. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking about Rowan of Rin. It's been a real pleasure talking about this very special book. No, thank you. And thank you for um, having me.
You're most welcome. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you are loving Kidlit Classics, please like and share and stay tuned for future episodes where we will discuss even more wonderful children's literature. And if you are interested in being a guest and sharing your favourite book, please get in touch via socials or my website, samanthaellenbound.com. Thank you.